Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tour. Sports Travel for Sports Fans by Sports Fans. I nearly forgot it then, didn't I, Ollie? <laughs> Welcome back. It's our second show of the week after our little hiatus. We felt like we deserved to give you a, a smothering, a plethora, a, 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 a range of different content. It's basically going to be the same as earlier in the week. We're going to natter on for a bit, and then we've got three great interviews with Ian Williams, Ed Tootle Jones, and another player. I can't remember who. This is the Gridiron Show. Charles Johnson! All the way live from Copacabana Beach. We are not on Copacabana Beach, Ollie. Turn it off. Turn it. Good. <laughs> We're back in the Talksport studios for the first time in the last two years, other than the show we did earlier in the week. But shh, ignore that. And uh, it, what it means is we've gone back to the old dynamic where Ollie actually produces the show and is in control of all the sounds, the the music, everything else. And he's through the other side of the glass room. Of course you're playing this. Of course you are. Chiefs. Brilliant. Of course, of course, that's what you chose to play first. So it means Ollie is now back in charge of the sound again, which meant he decided he wanted to play the strains of Copacabana. We've got a great show coming up, and I'm sorry I forgot who all the guests were, because they're all our leftover interviews from uh, the Super Bowl. We're going to hear from Vikings wide receiver Charles Johnson. Now, this is obviously really relevant, because earlier in the week we heard from Greg Jennings, who uh, was in uh, Minnesota, played in Miami last year. He spoke to us at the Super Bowl, and has apparently now picked up the phone to Rick Spielman, and basically begged for his job back via a voicemail saying i'll come and play for you please i miss being there has spielman's voicemail been hacked or something this is how we know this no no he admitted this to uh to kfxn fm in minneapolis on wednesday <laughs> kxfm fn yeah it's a terrible <laughs> name for a radio station the kvuxen <laughs> why do they all do that i have no idea it's, it's that's properly bad isn't it yeah. um but he uh, he told them on wednesday that he left rick a voicemail i told them i'm waiting on you guys i miss minnesota wow okay well, unfortunately, Greg, <laughs> you cocked that one up by not being very good. Not being very good, and also now they've got better. Yeah. <laughs> they've got so, better than you, Greggy. And so we'll hear from them. We'll hear from Charles Johnson later in the show. We'll also hear from Ed Tool jones member of that amazing Cowboys Doomsday defense. Uh, he was absolutely brilliant. And Ian Williams recently re-signed with the San Francisco 49ers, one of the only off-season moves they've made which has made any sense. Now, Will, you did say at the top that... These these are the leftover ones, right? But this is not. Uh, yeah, no, it's not. What I'm what? saying it's not a slight on the quality of them. In fact, Ed Tootle Jones was one of my absolute favourites. Yeah, uh, from from the Super Bowl. So keep listening. They're not rubbish interviews. It's just that. They're the ones that we've kind of didn't know how to shoehorn in elsewhere. Exactly, because we actually, when I say that these, these are the last interviews, they're not. We've probably got about another 15 in the bank. But later in the offseason, we're going to do an L.A. special as the Rams return to the City of Angels. And we're going to do a concussion special as well. And we spoke to a lot of former players uh, about their um, c- about their experience with concussions, about their experience with head mm. injuries, what they've done since they left the league. And, uh, yeah, there were some big names in that group as well. So all will be revealed a little later in the offseason. That's really exciting. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, when we actually finally get it together, it'll be great. (laughs) Big, big news today, Ollie. What's that, Will? Carlos Dansby 
now of the Bengals, formerly of the Browns, says that the 2015 Browns season is the worst experience of his life. Oh, my God. I say, Carlos Dansby, you didn't have to watch it. That's very true. Imagine those Browns fans had to go to every game in the in the pound. Exactly, exactly. Uh, that's not really the big news. There's lots of news going around, and uh, we're going to get to your Twitter questions, which you sent in for the last show, and I think we've had maybe one more since then as well. So we'll get to all of those as well. There were a few shout-outs. Jack, has anyone told you the Beckham goal was for the 2002 World Cup yet? I tried not to shout at my phone when listening. I always corrected myself, didn't I? I went, was it 2002? No, and I went back and said it was 2000 again. So I, thought, I thought you were right. No, I cocked it up. You did. Okay, I was definitely fine. wrong. Uh, Mark tweeted, I'd be worried about your wife's criminal ability hashtag keys i mean, i thought it was pretty genius uh like i said yeah mark stop trying to throw a spanner in there which is going to happen anyway but don't do it <laughs> but then she admitted she enjoyed my big fat greek wedding too which she went to see whilst we were doing the last podcast and suddenly all love and respect for her went out the window again yeah fair enough uh and there was somebody who thanked us for recommending a board game before christmas that i don't remember recommending but uh thanks i appreciate that yeah. I, I, I don't remember recommending this and it definitely wasn't me well i definitely i spoke about it i remember speaking about it because it's one that my it's called dead of winter or something like that and it's one my brother recommended because he he got it for christmas and we played it at christmas and it was good but i don't Maybe I spoke about it with Neil Dutton. I don't remember. Anyway, sorry. But but then I remember talking about another one with you. So, I don't know. I, it, it's very often that I tune you out and don't listen to what uh, you say. <laughs> I'm glad that we <laughs> enriched... It sounds like you don't listen to yourself. No, apparently not. <laughs> I'm really glad we enriched in someone's life. Somebody gave us a couple of uh, drop suggestions as well from the Jim Stuckey interview. Uh, something about uh, get off your fanny, uh, apparently. And oh my God, he said, was really funny as well. And I, I messaged them back and I said time codes and they didn't tell me so if you're going to recommend a drop at least tell us where it happened in the podcast i'm way too lazy to go back and listen again yeah i agree oh, i thought you were going to play a drop then the way the mouse clicked but no 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 no. no. i mean i tried to but i realized that i can't do it <laughs> the way that i needed to do it it's far too it's far too difficult just a sec this you, is live dropping you want to be on that computer over there I the one not to the left. a big fan of the uh, lanky german defender it would appear <laughs> why, why are you dropping in Russell Hargreaves? I don't know. I'm this, sorry for everybody involved. This is a real problem because we're now in Talksport. Earlier on, he just spent ages dropping little Alan Brazil clips at me, and for about ten minutes before the show, get sat here giggling at Darren Goff and Alan Brazil, and not actually recording the show. Yeah, it was so a disgrace. If this is a lower quality than it should be, I blame Ollie. Yep, fair enough. That's generally my position. Uh, let's talk. Uh, let's not talk about football, Ollie. How have you been the last two days since I saw you? I've been a bit down, actually. Oh. Yeah, I don't why? know why. But seeing you, <laughs> I don't know, it's really brought me back up. It's just, it's just been a ki- the real kick in the teeth. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. anvil on the head that's, uh, that's really taken you out. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm oh, so blue. At Ollie Hunter on Twitter, guys, please send him your messages of love because uh, he's really struggling. I right don't now. know why. I've just been a little bit down, but I, I, oh, I might be on the upward 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 curve i was gonna suggest like, like our friends in surai yeah, uh, yeah. i was gonna suggest um we went for a beer after this and then i remembered that actually i've got to do a real job so sorry mate but beer soon beer nice soon yeah time code beer, beer. <laughs> <laughs> um it's national trailer day is it is that an actual thing? No, it is very much not a thing, but I got all excited because last night the David Brent trailer appeared and was hilarious. That's going to be like the most uncomfortable two hours of cinema viewing ever. Uh, and it was it was very, very funny. And then the Rogue One trailer came out this morning. What's, okay, firstly, what's Rogue One? 
what's Rogue One? That's difficult to say quickly. Unless <laughs> that Alan Brazil it, not able to like, say Abrigado <laughs> thing. <laughs> it's a bit like a uh, Wookiee ride. <laughs> <laughs> Wookiee wide receiver. Yeah, that as well. Um, so what's Rogue One? And secondly, the Brent trailer is incredible. And that you, film looks like it's going to be amazing. You haven't watched the Rogue One trailer yet? No, I don't know what it is. Oh my god, right, hold on. <laughs> this is a man live YouTubing something. You're going to have to come in this studio and we're going to have to watch the Rogue One trailer and we're going to have to record your immediate response to it because uh, you, right. you, we, <laughs> because we need to. In honour of watch, what's Rogue One? As a Jabam. Yeah, we may need to tidy this bit up, but let's, uh, let's get it up. Don't look at my... Don't look at my laptop screen immediately. Let me load it first. I can't believe you haven't watched this yet. What's Rogue One? This is Ollie reacting live to seeing the Rogue One trailer for the first time. Why have you hidden part of the screen? Because it gave away what it was. <gasps> it's not. It is. I rebel. I love her. Felicity something? Yeah, she's in... um. She's in Chalet Girl. I shouldn't really know that. <laughs> She's lovely. It's the Star Wars. It's Star Wars. It's the Star Wars spin-off. Shh. Listen. Spin-off? Is that clear? If you continue to fight... It's Forrest Whitaker. Look, they've got those walking things back. What will you become? What is she going to become? Oh, my God. Some... It's the music at the end. What is this? You're is an... this... Right, so Rogue One, I, I just genuinely, you're the worst Star Wars fan ever. Rogue One is the story of uh, the rebellion getting the plans of the... So you know how uh, A New Hope starts with Princess Leia putting the plans inside R2-D2 and sending him down to Tatooine uh, yeah, yeah, to yeah, meet yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi. So Rogue One is like the kind of a prequel but really it's in between episodes three and four story about how the rebellion get the plans for the death star uh and so it's probably going to have the return of darth vader oh my god yeah i can't believe you hadn't seen that that's, that's literally incredible that's the sixth time i've watched that wow <laughs> Wow. We'll watch it again properly afterwards. Okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> we should maybe tweet out a link as well. If you didn't know that that existed, that's there and online and available to you to enjoy. Uh, <laughs> literally, how much of the podcast have we just wasted talking about making you watch the Rogue One trailer? I would say about three and a half minutes. We're definitely going to have to edit that together. <laughs> so, yeah, Rogue One trailer came out. Uh, I There was a lot of speculation and chatter online about... Um, what, whether Darth Vader was going to be in it. Do you hear a little Darth Vader breath at one point? And at the end, it just has that bit where the creepy little cello version of the uh, Imperial March comes in. And uh, I reckon Darth Vader's going to be in it. It's going to be amazing. The one that I was uh, talking all over. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, that okay, bit. Fine, but that's sure. fine. Because uh, maybe it means we won't get sued by uh, <laughs> Lucasfilm. We can't get sued. Disney and whoever else. We don't else. make any money from this. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's as good a reason and as we're, anything. And we're, and we're promoting the film. 
Yeah. Through our exuberance. There we go. And enthusiasm. There we go. But I'm very, very excited for oh, it. Oh, wow. I'm trying to think of anything. Oh, the other thing that happened over the last two days that's not football related is, did you see hashtag Indie Amnesty that was trending on Twitter? Oh, I saw something about this. I, I chose to ignore it. Uh, it was basically people of our sort of age bracket who grew up in the 90s or noughties admitting their terrible indie secrets. So, uh, like, I admitted that I saw once saw Franz Ferdinand twice in a day. Out of Ooh. choice. Out of choice? Or that I... Uh, I <laughs> my favourite one was... And this is ridiculous. This happened the day before Indie Amnesty Day was a thing. I was packing to move house and going through some old files and stuff and throw some stuff out and i found a signed cooper temple clause set list in amongst a load of old like gig tickets and stuff yeah that's right so i was a proper nerd indie kid and this thing there was some really funny stuff on oh there my God. guys admitting to paying like twice twice face value to go to a stereophonics concert and stuff like stereophonics. that <laughs> oh, my, I, I feel sick Good. I'm glad. That's uh, what I was targeting. Should we talk football? Uh, yeah, let's talk football. Or is there anything you want to bring to the table? No, no, let's talk football. Let's talk football. Cool. Uh, yeah. I've had... Uh, we were going to talk quarterback today, weren't we? So we'll get onto that in a little while. Alan tweeted us actually asking about one of the big news stories that's around today, saying, should Ferguson be pissed at the Jets for publicly trying to get him to take less dollar? If you've not seen the story, uh, Jets ask, uh, asked DeBrickashaw Ferguson to take a pay cut. Uh, they've asked their three-time Pro Bowl left tackle to take a significant pay cut as part of the team's ongoing effort to re-sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. And this all came out in the news. Um, basically, the teams are... on. Fitzpatrick and on DeBrickshaw Ferguson uh, apparently Fitzpatrick is looking for around 13 or 14 million dollars a year and the Jets are offering him closer to seven so there's quite a big gap there they're claiming it's because they've got no money they could cut Ferguson which would save them about nine million dollars in cap space but mm. they want to keep him around um you know he signed a huge contract six years ago he is still one of the most one of the better left tackles in the league but is been on a bit of a downward slope the last couple of years um but yeah of course he should be pissed they've asked him to do this publicly it's kind of business well, should be done behind closed doors exactly um uh, there's so many things that that feel wrong with this this story that the stuff with fits magic how is worth only they offering seven million dollars apparently so yeah well, i mean when you've got 10 million more for brock osweiler who hasn't really done anything no but the, yeah, at the same time Fitzpatrick isn't worth 15 million dollars like he's had one good season he's been a career backup other than that realistically yeah and everything fell into place last year now admittedly they've got Matt Forte which is going to make that offense a bit more dynamic but actually what's he going to do that maybe uh, I, they've uh, already missed out on a couple of other guys but maybe someone like well Mark Sanchez has already signed but I'll tell you who I saw as, uh, as quite an interesting thought the other day was uh, what are the Eagles going to be doing with Sam Bradford yeah if they draft a quarterback high which there's a lot of talk of them doing I mean if Jared Goff falls to them if the 49ers don't take them or um, there was even talk there was the uh, Peter King Monday morning quarterback piece earlier mm. this week um, and uh, John Robinson has since talked about it um, after saying last month that it would take a King's ransom straight out of the number one spot when you're looking at taking a tackle it should not cost a King's ransom no, to get out of the number one spot but uh, apparently quite a few clubs have been showing interest and Peter King indicated that one of the clubs showing a big interest was the Eagles. Now the only reason that you'd want the number one pick in this draft is because you've fallen in love with Carson Wentz or Jared Goff and you yeah. want to get there ahead of the Browns. So 
if the Eagles do that and Sam Bradford's available, I mean, actually, Sam Bradford at the Jets, probably paying him nine million, ten million a year. They're kind of similar, sort of quarterbacks-ish, I guess. I, I mean, mean, he's he's done no less in his career yeah. to prove himself as much as Fitzpatrick, apart from last season. So I I I, I still believe Fitzpatrick will end up at the Jets and that there'll be a middle ground, but they need to get on with finding that middle ground sooner rather than later because. Once options become available, yeah. I, I also saw an interesting thing. We're going to get on to Kaepernick, but I saw an interesting thing the other day about how if both of the quarterbacks are gone early, what will the Rams do? And there's been some suggestion that they've had conversation with Trent Balky and the 49ers. Yes, good stuff. Uh, with Trent Balky and the 49ers about, uh, about Kaepernick as well and what it would take to get him in a trade maybe after the draft or even during the draft. Wow. So, you know, this, this, this quarterback situation is going to, keep going it's gonna run and run and go um no i mean kaepernick probably would run and run but <laughs> that's that's all he can do yeah that's it well he does uh he <laughs> does throw tight spiral balls as well he does he throws really fast yeah they're just too, too fast and too hard and too long <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> two out of three of those problems are mine too fast and too hard. Never too long. Never too long. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, I'm dear. really sorry. You're a disgrace. Um, uh, there's, there was a thing about, oh, the preseason schedule's been released, but that's not real football, so we won't talk about that. The real schedule is out next week, though. So... Whoa, whoa. <laughs> In the space of 20 seconds, you went schedule and schedule. I tried to do it both ways to keep everyone happy. Glitched. I tried to do it both ways to make everyone happy. Um, oh, I was trying to get my... Um, I had a really nice long bath last night. I'd love that. My bath's currently full of stuff because we're packing. So it's full of like bags full of cosmetics and, I don't know, uh, bubble bath and shit that Sarah's... Well, yeah. and the, so I can't have a long bath. Well, I had a really nice long bath. And I set on my computer so that I could watch uh, Virgin Anywhere on, on my nice. computer. I, I think I wanted to watch the, the football. That's your specifically tailored porn channel, right? Yeah, exactly. Virgin Anywhere. Anyway... Um, <laughs> whoa, you're a disgrace. I'm, I'm, I'm time coding it. I doubt you'll take it out. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I've got to edit this. This is your job now. Bollocks, man. I've got to go home. <laughs> you're here all night, yeah, not doing that. anything. There is that. Anyway, so I'd, I'd set up my uh, my laptop. This story is not worth how long it's taken <laughs> to get to this point. I set up my laptop to, to watch Virgin Anywhere, and it, it was, wasn't working. And then it said, oh, there might be a problem with your server with the system or there could be a, a glitch in the matrix <laughs> i was like how does that help me that's amazing that's really <laughs> funny uh do you remember how the other day i was talking about uh, the raiders and how i thought they had a chance this season there were a few players off yeah and i named a few positions that i thought they um i thought they particularly needed improvement in yeah well one of them was the safety position have they improved in that? They have brought in former Bengals safety Reggie Nelson on a two-year oh. deal. Now, admittedly, Reggie Nelson uh, at 32, uh, he's uh, getting beyond his years, but he had a great year last year, led the league with inter eight interceptions, earned his first Pro Bowl selection. I imagine he was probably too rich for the Bengals because they needed to keep Georgia Loker around and they needed to keep at least one of those two cornerbacks around as well. Mm. Um, but... Uh, it, as a short-term patch on a position that they needed to improve in, Reggie Nelson's perfect for the way they play, and now they're left with... I still think I would like to see a second corner opposite Sean Smith. I'd still like to see an improvement at running back, even though they're claiming it's not something they necessarily need to do. But really, the Raiders are... They're, they're doing free agency they? properly. Yeah. They're doing yeah. it properly, and I'm loving this. 
is as a 49ers fan, I should not be loving. You this should not be loving because it. we are going to be terrible for a number of years to come. And the fact that there are more Raiders fans in <laughs> in San Francisco than uh, <laughs> than Forty Niners fans, from what I saw. Yeah, I just don't think that 49ers fans are waving their flags particularly proud. I suppose that right could now. be that could be because it's San Francisco as well, and that's the kind of city it is. City, um, but <laughs> do, do you the thi- city. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> do you think that um, he's an upgrade on last year's version of Charles Woodson? Oh, that's a really good question because theoretically, Charles Woodson he was a ball hawk last year, but couldn't do it all, as it were. Mm. But then he couldn't do it all on his own because he was pretty much the only decent thing in that in that very far backfield. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the thing is, I loathe to say yes to that because I love Woodson, but he was approaching 40. And whilst he made some great plays, and he's one of my favourite players of all time, I still, I struggle to say that he was consistently... Mm. Reggie Nelson played better than Woodson last year, even though people were talking about Woodson as a defensive player of the year. He had a better season than him yeah. playing for the Bengals. And uh, what the way the Bengals played last year with Iloka and with Nelson is those two very high safeties all of the time. And they played a lot of quarters coverage. So spreading the cornerbacks out wide and having those safeties sitting constantly deep. I think that style would really suit the Raiders, particularly with Sean Smith coming in there as well, who is a kind of all around can do anything corner. So, yeah, I, I, I think it is... I think their team is upgraded. I don't want to say an individual upgrade, but their their secondary looks better than it did last year. And with Nelson going and the amount of people that have gone from the Bengals, are you worried for them next season? No, I'm not worried for them, but I think they're going to have to regress at some point. And I don't like what's happened at the wide receiver position. That's the the place in particular. They had the there's the third round pick that they've got um, at safety, um, Sean Williams, who I think they will end up playing alongside Iloka. I think they prefer him as a a free safety to a strong safety. They the guys both sit deep anyway, though, so I think he will see a lot of playtime. And they've got to get those young cornerbacks playing, Drake Kirkpatrick, Dakis Denard, these guys they've spent higher around picks on. Yeah. So I. I I mean, they've got to draft well, and they've got to you know, I, I think, get some I think really take, good value there. I think take like three or four receivers across the seven rounds. I think they've got eight or nine picks, from what I remember. I need to look it up again, but they've stockpiled a couple of extra picks. I would take three, maybe four receivers, including in the late rounds, because you are thin at that position. I mean, they picked up Brandon Nafell last week, who I liked, even though he had a down season at the Patriots. And they've got Let's Brandon forget- Tate as well uh, yeah. from the Patriots from the Patriots so two players that know each other's game and they're obviously going to complement AJ Green who's I don't know top five top three of the wide receivers in the in the NFL so three he's definitely top five is he top three I mean Des I think I put Julio Jones above him yeah I'd Des? Would I put third-year Odell Beckham in front of him? Would you put third-year... Yeah, would you put Odell Beckham above him? I don't think I would. I think I'd still have AJ Green above him for now, but that very well might change by the end of this season. It's not... It's. I mean, I, it's difficult to think who else I'd put above him. Des is, Des, Des is in that conversation. Des is... Well, we're having it. 
I'm not, I don't know if I'm having it. We're having this conversation, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. You mean we're having this conversation, not there should be in this conversation. Well, no, you, you said. <laughs> you said there's this in the conversation. And yeah, it is because we're having the conversation. <laughs> this is, that's what we are doing right as in, now. As in quite literally, he is in the conversation <laughs> yes. that we are having at the moment. Um, <laughs> we haven't mentioned Antonio Brown yet. Oh, Antonio Brown's number one, isn't Yeah, Antonio he? Brown is number one. Uh, we haven't mentioned DeAndre Hopkins yet. Yeah, I, I'd still... I would have AJ Green over Deontay Hopkins. And do you know who... Uh, Deontay, who's that? Uh, sorry, DeAndre. Like, is that Deontay Wilder's yeah, yeah. mate? Uh, yeah. Why would he... Because he just stopped Pyle's friends called Deontay, <laughs> yeah. of course. What a ridiculous thing to say, Gavin. Um, <laughs> you know who there's an interesting name to put in the conversation with him? Go on. Alan Robinson. Oh, I love Alan. And Blake Bortles said on NFL HQ this week that... Uh, as a tandem, the Allens are the best in the league. Yeah, what's he on about? Uh, who's the best tandem in the league then? Well, I think you'll find statistically the best oh, tandem oh, yeah, in the league. Oh, yeah, fucking Marshall and you. Yeah, you're all bang on about this. They won't be as good next year. Allen, first beer bet of the 2016 oh. season. My, make a note because I'm actually going to write them down this year. And oh, no, uh, we're gonna. <laughs> it's only if I agree with you. Alan, oh, sorry, disagree. The Allens, Robinson and Hearn. Just Allen. Now, how do we do this? Do we do yardage? Do we do... Uh, let's do fantasy points, because that takes into account yardage and touchdowns. This is on the proviso that you think that I'm going to say, yes, they will be better. Robinson and Hearns combined have statistically a better season than Marshall and Decker combined. Do I take this? Do I take this beer bet? You've got to consider that I have got... I'm relying very much on um, Alan Hearns to have a similar season to last year where he didn't have the yardage, but he caught a lot of touchdowns. But you've got to re- realise that I'm relying on a quarterback that might... <laughs> <laughs> not exist. Not exist, or I don't know what's going to... I'm going to, go, I'm going to take this bet. Yay! First beer bet of the year, and I'm actually writing it down this Woo! time. Uh, so we can, at the end of the season, we'll do a drunk pod. It'll be fun. I promise. Uh, what else do we need to talk about? Oh, right, let's get on to the the Kaepernick Broncos quarterback etc saga we've kind of started to touch on it already talking about the Eagles but we had a few tweets in about it uh, Jonathan Harding who uh, many will know as a writer about German football uh, if you yep. follow him on Twitter he's a, a, a top bloke and uh, he wrote 49ers cap Broncos who how when what why well, you Ma- can tell he's a journalist. <laughs> and then Marshall tweeted, uh, who does Elway think he is with this laughable offer? Why does he think the 49ers would just give Kaepernick $5 million? Uh, I, to get pa- rid of him. <laughs> exactly. There's part of me that looks at this and thinks, uh, we got into a heated debate with this uh, with uh, Richard Graves from Sky on uh, a Twitter DM, slid into his DMs, and we got heated about this. Because he thinks it's a joke that Kaepernick turned down the lower amount of money to go to a team who are a contender. And I said, well, look, there's one, there's one coach in the league who theoretically, based on what he's done in college and across the last three years, who could possibly turn Kaepernick around. And that's the guy who is his head coach in San Francisco, Chip Kelly. Now, I'm not saying it is going to happen by any stretch of the imagination. I'm certainly not banking on it. I think the 49ers are in the conversation for the number one overall pick this year. The conversation that we're having right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but uh, the it, uh, for him, 
for his personal situation, and I know he put in the trade request, apparently, feeling unloved by the team at that point. But if Chip Kelly shows him the love and he knows he'll earn $12 million versus $7 million by staying in San Francisco and has a better chance of personal development there versus, okay, he could go to the Broncos. And yes, they roll out a lot in Kubiak's scheme and maybe that play action style will suit him. But to set up play action, you first of all have to establish the run and CJ Anderson, we don't we don't know what he is because mm. last five games of last season he was brilliant. Last eight games of the season before he was brilliant. The other quick maths in my head, 11, 19 games across those two seasons, he was a below average running back. So first we have to establish the run game, and then the threat of the pass also has to be there. And he he's a terrible mid level passer, mm. which is what they've got in their receiving core. So okay, that situation might work and he's probably got more chance to assess the Broncos because of their defence and everything else. Sorry, what kind of what kind of passer is he then? If he's a terrible mid-level passer? <laughs> I can throw a deep ball. So he's, he's got the deep ball. He's reasonably accurate and uh, reasonably accurate. He can throw it with a lot of zing. He doesn't and have the p- touch. They, they slagged him off for this in, in San Francisco last year because he overthrew players. But if you're overthrowing an ageing Tory Smith and an ageing Anquan Bolden, I mean, those guys probably have 40 times that wouldn't be a lineman in the league, let alone, you know, Anquan Bolden coming out of school had a very bad 40 time and he's now 38 million years old. So he's overthrowing older, slower guys, but I don't, they don't have a huge amount of deep threat. Maybe they do. Maybe they've got guys there who can be a deep threat. We just didn't see it because last season they had Brock Osweiler, uh, who does have an arm. If you think about it, they've got, they've got, got, what, what they had with Brock Osweiler was him, playing in Peyton Manning's offense, which was set up not for that deep threat. They do have Emmanuel Sanders. They do have Demarius Thomas, who both can be that deep threat. Uh, all right, Emmanuel Sanders is, is, is looked at as more of the slot guy. I see him as more of a slot guy. That's but, what I was going to say. But he does have the pace. He does have the ability to do that, to, pro- to stretch the field. So I, I, I disagree. I think they do have that, that deep threat. It's just that situationally last year... They didn't. We didn't see it because they didn't have that even in on the in in their playbook. I I still stand by what I said three podcasts ago, where I think Kaepernick is in San Francisco this off season, and the only way I see it not happening that he is way at San Francisco this off season. <laughs> yeah, this season when it <laughs> right. starts, he's in the conversation that we're having right now. <laughs> <laughs> when this season starts, I I think that's his most likely landing spot, unless something happens around draft day. We need to know who's going to move for a quarterback, who's going to take someone. Now, a lot of people are talking about the Broncos taking Paxton Lynch at thirty-one if he's still available and still there and you know ideal developmental guy do you want him going and sitting behind Mark Sanchez probably not but he can work with Kubiak he can work with John Elway Kubiak the best backup maybe of the last 30 years John Elway the guy that he backed up you know we've got guys who can develop quarterbacks and who know quarterbacks well so maybe that's a really good landing spot for him and suddenly the need for Kaepernick isn't there but then there's talk as I said earlier of the Rams looking to trade for him so the biggest thing with Kaepernick is I expect him to be still in San Francisco on draft day now he's got past the day that his money's guaranteed and draft day onwards at this point, is anyone's guess. Mm. Like, I thought about doing at this point in the season, because we're going to have a lot of draft preview stuff coming up on the podcast. And don't forget, we've still got three great interviews to come on this one. Uh, but Charles Johnson of the Vikings and Ian Williams of the 49ers and uh, Ed Sutil Jones of the 70s Cowboys. And I was Cowboys. worried for you for that last Yeah, one. there was a moment. There. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what's really disconcerting here is because we're talking through the glass. 
but this glass on both sides is slightly sloped, which means I have like a triple reflection of myself as well as being able to see you. So I can see all of my hand gestures and all of my like... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so it's occasionally I'll, <laughs> occasionally I'll see myself whilst I'm talking, and it's really off-putting. We, look, there was an interesting thing that the Browns, the Eagles, and the 49ers have already started their off-season programs ahead of anyone else doing it at the start of this week. That shouldn't be a surprise. Um, Kubiak has said he met with Kaepernick as well, which I thought was interesting. Sanchez has said he's going to back himself in, uh, uh, which has not worked out for him in the past, as we know, in New York. But he's going to back himself in denver and uh and he's already hosting a passing camp with his new teammates so there you go a little bit of positivity there I wonder what goes on there the other i think they pass the ball yeah but what else do you think goes on well i, I just imagine they run the route tree a lot and do a lot of do you think it's like they've hired somewhere and then they go or is it down the local park <laughs> I think or, they do it in. Do well, think, I don't know. I don't do think, think they, it's like a ranch. I don't they think go, they can do it on the training facilities because often a lot of people go out and do like a West Coast camp. Tom Brady certainly used to do this, and he was like, "I throw balls to Rob Gronkowski all day long." Um, they do a lot of players do do this, but uh, I think they have to. They can't do it at a facility, can they? Because they're not allowed to be there no. doing football stuff. So they must. I've, I I like to envisage. Do you remember? <laughs> I like you. I like it when you envisage. Do you remember your stag do? I do. <laughs> I do. Not all of it, but a good amount of it. So, do you remember the bit where we all chucked the, the pigskin around in that field? Yep. I'm thinking it's a bit like that, but they don't go back to wigwams. They go back to like a log swanky cabin. hotel rooms. No, a log cabin. I think they've gone to their own of, log cabins, and and they also they hunt as well. They yeah. go hunting, that which works. I disappro- disapprove of, but they do it anyway. <laughs> they're, they're sat there having the moral conundrum going, oh, man, I want to go hunting, but Ollie Hunter does not approve. Yeah, exactly. It's a difficult situation to be in. Uh, the last bit of QB stuff, was there any other... We, we've kind of covered off everything. People just kept asking about Kaepernick on Twitter. RG3, so have we spoken about, about that? That happened while we were away. I don't really want to talk about it any more than it needs to. I think the Browns still draft someone and I'd be surprised if RG3 yeah. starts week one. He's kind of a... It, it depends on what your theory on backups is. Should a backup be someone who comes in, can run the existing offense, and tries to not miss a beat but does it at a slightly lower level? Or do you want a Vic, Michael Vick-esque backup who comes in and offers you something completely different but they don't really have enough snaps in practice to be able to practice that other offense? So I, I, RG3 feels to me like a, a splashy high-end backup. I don't see the Browns starting him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. No, no, the, the, How many I, games would they start him for this year? If he starts any more than four games, I'd be surprised. Depending on who they draft. But then again, maybe Hugh Jackson thinks he's the answer. Nobody knows the question. <laughs> or the answer to this question <laughs> that no one knows. Uh, something I saw that I, I finally... Th- final thing on the QBs, and we'll get to our interviews and we'll do some of your tweets. Um, was Mr. Quinn. Old Bobby Quinn. The Not Detroit Lions, uh, no, Bob Quinn, the Detroit Lions general manager, uh, said that he thinks, obviously, finding a starting quarterback is vital for success. I think anyone could say that. He has been saying that drafting quarterbacks every year is good for football business. And I am so on board with this. You never know when you're going to go out and unturf that Tom Brady or someone. I, I think if there's a decent... Look at this season in particular, where in the later rounds you can get... Mm. Uh, uh, um, uh, Braxton Miller, you can get a Dax 
Prescott. Prescott. Yeah, yeah. You can get uh, who's the guy out of Oregon as well. Like there's there is there's probably this could be the draft where the most quarterbacks are taken ever. And in that situation, why not go out and take one with a sixth or seventh round pick rather than taking another D tackle or another who might might pan out, but you could end up finding your quarterback of the future could be the next Tony Romo, could be the next Tom Brady. Uh, and he's been extolling the virtues of going out and, and picking up a quarterback every year and just seeing how they pan out. I like it. Well done on you, Bob Quinn. We actually yeah, had t- so, sorry, did, uh, did they draft a quarterback last year? Well, he wasn't their GM last year. Okay. So, so okay, it doesn't matter. Fair enough. Let's, let's see. If they don't draft a, uh, one this year, then they're fools. Uh, <laughs> fools. <laughs> while we're on the lines, I had this uh, tweet set down for after our interviews, but let's cover it quickly. Mark tweeted us just saying simply, who will have a worse season, the Saints or the Lions? I would go the Saints. I think the Saints as well. Although, no, the Lions always tend to do stuff it up. Uh, <laughs> For me, the Lions have... I know they've they've obviously lost Calvin Johnson, but the Lions have enough there to get to like a 6-7 win team. I know that's not exciting. I don't see them as necessarily bothering the playoffs this year. Uh, I, I, although they obviously had that fantastic run at the end of last year, winning 9 of the last 10 or whatever it was, 8, eight of the last 9. But the Saints genuinely, in my mind right now, with all their cap issues, the number of cuts they've had to make. An aging Drew Brees. Uh, an aging Drew Brees. They're genuinely in the conversation for the number one overall pick next year for me right now. Yeah. You can't... That terrible defense. You can't discount how the NFC North will play out. Green Bay, they're always there and thereabouts. The Vikings are getting stronger. Chicago, again, they're up in the air. Will they, will they have turned the corner? Jeremy Langford replacing Matt Forte. Is that going to be good for them? Um, they they retained Alshon Jeffrey, uh, you know the the whole restructuring of that. But then they still have Jay Cutler, so it, it's very difficult with that NFC North to make a real cons- a, a real prediction of what's going to happen to the, the Lions or the, the the Bears coming out of there. So I think I will the Vikings say, yeah. win the NFC North this season. Oh, beer bet it. Yep, done. Done. <laughs> I, I, I say they don't win the <laughs> NFC North. <laughs> oh, no, no. You've got to pick a team. Back your Packers. Come on, Ollie. Um, I don't know. I'm writing down Vikings versus Packers, and you can screw yourself. Uh, I just think you look at the players they brought Let's in. Let's go Crackers <laughs> with the Packers. <laughs> Nick Fairley, James Laurinaitis. Uh, you know, they're... Nick Fairley is a guy who doesn't like to work out. James Laurinaitis is on the downside of his career. Uh, I don't rate Donnell Ellaby particularly highly. Kenny Vaccaro and Jairus Bird looked at one point like they were going to be the best safety tandem in the league and have done nothing in the preceding two years. I know there's been injuries, but yeah, I just, nothing about that team's exciting me right now. No, I agree. And he went, oh, we need to get a tight end to replace our, you know, we we somehow managed to get fantastic play out of a 35-year-old last year after uh, after our Pro Bowl, all-pro level tight end in Jimmy Graham left. Who should we bring in? Oh, let's bring in the worst of the two Colts tight ends from last year, Kobe Fleener. Gave him a huge contract. I d- nothing the Saints are doing right now is getting me excited. And they're in a division where the Bucks are on the rise, where the Panthers have just been to the Super Bowl. And what do I think of the Falcons? I think the Falcons are going to get better this year. I agree with you there. I agree. They had, I think they, they go, had injury issues. They had. This is a good draft for yeah. defensive line, for pass rush, for d- defensive tackles. Those are the kind of. 
Vodafone 5G will have the power to change your world. From driverless cars to virtual reality and real-time gaming. That's why we're rolling out 5G across the UK. Discover Vodafone 5G on the UK's best mobile data network. The future's exciting. Ready? Vodafone. Enperf testing awarded Vodafone Best 2019 Mobile Internet Performance based on 35,664 tests on the Enperf app in UK. Coverage may vary. Visit vodafone.co.uk. Hello, you're listening to the Horse Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. And there's more. Every day during the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play for-to-win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. <laughs> Full terms apply. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. Guys, they really need. They got no pass rush last year. I think they improved this year. Uh, I think the Saints are the worst team in the NFC. All right, I'm with you. I'm with you. They could be the worst team in the NFC. And very close to the worst team in the NFL. I'm with you. Shall we do our interviews? Well, you did mention the Vikings there. Link. Nice. Like it. We managed to catch up with a breakout star of the Minnesota Vikings last year. Uh, A man who... uh, (laughs) I was going to really go all out then. But a guy who just had a good year. And became a little bit of a fantasy darling. Uh, And uh, for, for a stretch of the year. And who is... Now going to have another year under his belt with Teddy Bridgewater and could look impressive for those NFC North champion Minnesota Vikings. Uh, it's Charles Johnson. I'm CEO of Rebuilding Together, and the NFL for over 20 years has sponsored a service day right yeah. before the Super Bowl. And so Charles is going to help us tomorrow along with about 15 other football players and actually a lacrosse player as well, so that's great. And um, Rebuilding Together is a national organization that makes people's homes safe and healthy by using volunteers and going in and fixing up their homes. So we have six homes in a community center that we're all going to be working on tomorrow, all in the same area. So it have a real impact on the community to fix that many up at once. And we have about 100 volunteers coming out. And Lowe's is our big sponsor, NFL is our big sponsor, and we're thrilled to be here and to do this. And how great is that support from both the players and the NFL itself for you? It's terrific. They've done it for over 20 years, and it's our biggest event all year that we get a lot of, um, obviously, press, but also, more importantly, we get funds to help these homeowners and um, funds to help the local um, Rebuilding Together affiliates that are really doing the work on the ground. And so the NFL sponsorship has been huge for our group. Absolutely. And Charles, what is it about this in particular that attracts you? And, and how much do you enjoy being able to give back? Because obviously we hear all the time about guys in NFL teams having that chance. And what does that mean to you? I think, I think it means a lot to me. I mean, I know it means a lot to me because I'm on a platform where people look up to me and they, they, they think uh, that I'm bigger than somebody than I am. And uh, I like to show people that I'm just a normal human being and I'm here to give back. I'm here to help others. And if I'm able to go out there and just help a, help, help a family with the health and safety of their home, go out there and interact with them a little bit, help rebuild with my friends and family, and uh, go out there and just be able to shed a little light. I mean, why wouldn't you want to do that? I mean, it means a lot to me. And... I'm excited for the opportunity tomorrow, and I mean, I know the, the families are going to be super happy. I know I'm going to be out there working my butt off and just whatever they needed me to do to improve that home, I'm going to go out there and do it, and hopefully we get it done right. 
Yeah, and as well as the obvious benefits, this is kind of a question for both of you guys. I guess when you see families with particularly younger children, it's quite aspirational for those as well to see you're just a normal guy who's playing in the NFL and that it's something that they could maybe do as well. Yeah, I mean, I think if you want to do something, you're able to do it. I mean, it, may, it doesn't matter how big the chance is. It can be a little chance or a big chance. There's still a chance, no matter how big or small it is. And I'm a guy who's like, if you want something, go chase it. You're, ne- you're never going to know how far away it is until you start running. And uh, if you stop running, you'll never know if you're going to get there or not. So I'm just a guy who's like, yeah, it's, it's not a big deal to, to me that I'm an NFL player. I'm just I'm just a guy who happens to have what, what somebody quote-unquote says is a cool job. I mean, I work just like everybody else. I pay taxes. I put on my clothes cool just like everybody else. It's just this is what this is what pays my bills and feeds my family, and it's just the opportunity that was presented to me. And I could have been a doctor, a lawyer, or even a garbage, a garbage uh, driver. I would have still been happy because that's what God placed on my heart, and that's what God led me to do. And, it's just, it's just, I'm just a normal person, I feel like. Absolutely. And what's it like for you to have a guy as, as humble as that? And it's great, isn't it? It's unbelievable. With this fame and with fans and with everybody wanting a part of him, that he would take the time to dedicate part of his time to help us and our cause, it's just outstanding. It's so, we're so thankful. We're so grateful. Because that's what really brings out um, the people to come really listen to our mission and listen to what we're doing is people like Charles that are giving of their time to really give back to the, to the community. It's outstanding. Yeah. And I will ask you a couple of questions on the, on the Vikings as well. You guys are one of the ascendant teams in the league now. It's been a couple of years of Mike Zimmer, two years of development and obviously very close to getting to the divisional round this year. How much do you think this is going in the right direction? And what has Coach Zimmer brought that has made you guys into a team who looks like the set for several years now in the playoffs? I think Coach Zimmer's brought a particular mindset, a mindset of winning and going out there and a, a mindset of working hard to win. And That's just what we all bought into. As a team, as a unit, we bought into that mindset. We're going to work hard to win. And uh, we're going to learn how to be champions. And when we, when we, when we become those champions, we're going to learn how to stay champions. And that's the mindset we're bringing in. I think we got a great group of guys that wants to work hard and wants to become champions, and they're willing to put in that extra work. They're willing to take that next step to become that champion. And when you got teammates like I got, it's a no-brainer. We go out there, we can win a lot of games. Yeah, you mentioned the teammates. One thing that really stood out to me over the, the at the end of the season, obviously the fashion in which you lost to the Seahawks was devastating. But there was no kind of in the same way I've seen with other teams. There were no guys really kind of getting after Blair. They were very much supportive, and that kind of has really come across. Does that really speak to the team unity that you guys have? Yeah, I think it does. I always say we win together, we lose together. Winners win, losers lose, and we lost that day. We can't blame one. It's so easy to point the finger at Blair and say, he should have made the kick and we would have won the game, but they don't think about it. He made three kicks before that. We wouldn't have had nine points if it wasn't for him. I, play, I place blame on us as an offense for not scoring a touchdown because – we, we were an offensive unit. We're supposed to score points. We didn't score a touchdown. That helped, that helped us lose the game. We, we missed a tackle on defense where Russell Whistle scrambles. That helps us lose the game. We fumble a ball off, and that helps us lose the game. It's easy to point the ball, the finger at Blair Wash because he missed a kick, but it, it's a team. It's a team sport. We, we, it's, it's, not, it's not golf. It's not boxing where you're out there by yourself. We're 11 men out there on the field with 52 men on the roster, and we win together, we lose together. Yeah, and finally, how important is it to turn – that into a positive as well because you were kind of you basically won the game I mean you, you kind of did but 
it's kind of it showed a development not many people give you a chance to win that game and you, and you went out and performed as you did in the Green Bay game in week 17 as well there were real signs that you guys could be a real force yeah nobody gave us a chance to win that game and we liked that aspect of it because we was like alright we're just going to go out here and shock them and we should have won that game we know we let one slip and I think the Seattle Seahawks know that we were the better team that day and they know we should have won that game because their reaction showing when that kick was missed was a show that we just got we just got lucky and Hey, we let it slip. We just gotta, we just gotta build off of that. We gotta come next next year and not be in that situation. Like we can't have those fumbles. We can't have missed tackles. We gotta score on offense. And Blair does have to make the kick. But that's what we do as a team. We we try to fix things that we missed on the previous game, previous weeks, and maybe previous years. And we we correct those. We correct those. And just absolutely finally, people in the UK are going to be really interested to hear about this because it's a fantastic cause. If they want to look into it and get more information, how would they do that? Go on our website, rebuildingtogether.org. They can find out about it. Charles Johnson of the Minnesota Vikings there. Let's move on and hear from a man who's recently signed with a team who I, in this very podcast, said are probably in contention for the number one overall pick next year, the San Francisco 49ers. It is defensive tackle Ian Williams. Uh, next up, and the radio, the great interviews just keep on rolling in. This is just absolutely ridiculous. What a great day we're having. And, and we're now joined by a man who... Come Sunday, the game at Super Bowl 50 is going to be played in the Santa Clara Stadium down at Levi's. And, and a man who knows very well about playing there is Ian Williams of the San Francisco 49ers. Ian, thank you for coming in and joining us. And, and as a guy who does live and work in the area, what's it been like seeing this city just change over the past week and become, well, this? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me on, uh, on the hey, show today. absolutely, um, man. Uh, it's been uh, exciting um, just seeing... Uh, Everything that's going on, the festivities they have going on, you know, the media day here, uh, you know, the fan experience they have set up for all the fans. You know, it's it's a pretty cool sight to see. No doubt, no doubt at all. And and for the guys who are going to be playing in Levi's on on Sunday night, what kind of... Just talk us through that stadium. It's only a couple of years old, and maybe the history might not be there they had with Candlestick, but it is an impressive site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a great stadium, uh, brand new, one of the most uh, um, technology advanced stadiums uh, I think uh, in the country. Um, so I know uh, fans are going to uh, be excited about being able to order hot dogs and drinks from their seats. I mean, I'm excited about just that. That's yeah. why I'm here. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, <laughs> this guy loves a hot dog. I'm uh, sure he would say that. And yeah, he doesn't be... like getting up. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's perfect. Be, they will be ordering their uh, their butts off, but uh, that's a great stadium. Uh, really open, uh, and fan first time fans are really uh, really love the area and in, uh, in the vicinity. Ian, I'm really keen to kind of ask you about your career. I believe it's a free agency year for you. Um, you had, I mean, the 49ers defense kind of played a lot better down the stretch, but you were very much at the focal point of that. What's this like at the moment for you in terms of hitting the market and, and that process? What are you doing now within that process? Um, this is the blessing to you know be able to sit in this position. Uh, uh, I put my body of work together already, and um, you know I'm just waiting to see you know if you know they do come calling. And uh, I mean I hope I could, I could be back with the Niners. You know I love my defensive line room, and I think we have a lot of young guys in there that can really do a lot of good things uh, that can help this team win. Um, but I know at the end of the day it is a business, um, so I'm keeping my options open. But you know, I definitely want to be back. Uh, but it's, it's an exciting period. Uh, you know, just been relaxing. Uh, you know, I took about two weeks off just to relax and hang out. I'm um, starting to work out, and uh, you know, after the Super Bowl, I'm going down to Miami to start training and getting ready for the season. And and Jim Tom Sula is a guy who Eula worked with very closely throughout yeah. your career. He's obviously the line coach and then the head coach. Was he given enough time? 
as um, the head coach? You know, you you always you know. Coach T was like he was my guy. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be here sitting in front of you uh, in the position I am if it wasn't for him. You know, I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from Justin Smith. Um, That's a guy I wanted to and, ask about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I learned a lot from the guys that you know when I was young. You know, um, you know my rookie in my second year. I learned a lot from the guys that we had on the team then. Um, yes, I wish I wish Coach T would have had more time. You know, I mean, a lot a lot of I think a lot of guys feel that way. But you know, at the end of the day, it is a business. Um, and uh. You know he he got his money. That's what he always used to talk about in, his, in the room. You know, you know, get your money, save your money. You know what I'm saying? You know he got it. Um, and he's one of the best D line coaches in the league. So he he will definitely will will not be without a job. Yeah, I was just gonna say he's about to make another yeah. team very happy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. In terms of that D line, I mean, what was such a strength through those uh, those years where you went to the? Sorry, what was such a strength? I'm starting to lose my voice from doing this so much. <laughs> what was such a strength through those years when you went to a Super Bowl? When when you went to NFC Championship games? That D-line, particularly, you mentioned Justin Smith already, but there was a great rotation there. You yourself coming in undrafted and ba- being able to make an impact. Uh, having people like Ricky Jean-Francois, who left in the off-season. Having Justin, who retired in the off-season. How difficult was it going into this year, with so much change on that defensive line, to be able to put up to, uh, a performance like you did in that very first game against the Vikings? And then you were an impressive defense at home, particularly against the run. Uh, how did you manage to put that together on that line? You know, we, we, we started to mesh. You know, uh, we had a lot of guys playing together for the first time. So, you know, that uh, that first game, that, that Minnesota game, you know, we, we we showed the world what we can do. And the rest of the season, we didn't show the world what we could do. You know, we, we dropped the ball on that. You know, as a player, you know, we can't really, you know, blame the coaches. You can't blame this and that, da, da, da. You know, we're the guys out there on the field, you know, having to make plays and got to win the game. So we dropped the ball, and it's our fault that we went 5-11, you know. But I know we have a lot of guys in in the room that want to get better. They know what losing feel like now. They, they know what they, they know what losing feels feels like now. So um, I think a lot of guys are going to work hard this off season to get back into shape and uh, and get back to where we used to be. And uh, that's on top of the NFC. The big storyline now with San Francisco is Chip Kelly, new coach coming in. Have you spoken to him yet? And have you been given any indication by either him or Trent? whether they're going to be keen to try and keep you this year um i actually met coach kelly last week on monday um you know just went in for a little short chat uh you know you can't really talk football or anything like that but uh just talked about life and you know football you know outside of football um seems like a great guy um you know just talking about things um uh i was able to meet my d-line coach i met the offensive coordinator who used to uh be the running backs coach for Detroit. Um, he actually tried to recruit me coming out of high school he was at georgia tech okay you know we chatted up for a little bit um but uh, I think they brought in a great staff. Um, uh, you know, Hardy Nickerson. You know, the, uh, a seasoned vet. You know, it's going to be great to have on the staff. Um, we got we, we got a lot of good guys in, and I think uh, a lot of the team uh, in the locker room they're excited about this upcoming season. And I think OTAs is when we'll hit the ground running. There are some young guys on that defense, and and what I what I do like about it still is whilst the, maybe the depth and rotation isn't there, you kind of have guys like Aaron Lynch coming in and making an impact on the outside, and and being able to be supported by someone like Navarro in the moment, like yourself in the middle. Is is there an impression that obviously with you we, we're hopeful? I'm hopeful as a 49ers fan that you're going to be back next year because I think you were key in that nose tackle position. But is there a feeling that there are other pieces there that with a little bit of augmentation, with a few extra guys in there, that you can ascend to the level that you guys were playing at two years ago? I think those guys are going to get there. You know, the only way you're going to get better is playing. 
and a lot of the guys playing for the first time this year, they got to see some of that playing time. You know, Aaron Lynch saw a lot of playing time. Eli Harold saw more playing time this year, his rookie year. You know, Eric Armstead started to see more playing time. Quentin Dow see more playing time. You know, Michael Wilhoy, you know, uh, Jaquaski Tart, you know, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Ward. You know, we have a lot of guys who are young who are getting that play time, you know, People were, were on Jimmy's head last year, like, oh, well, why did we draft him? And all of a sudden this year, you know, oh, Jimmy Ward, like, we love him. He's, he's been playing great. <laughs> you know, it happens like that. You know, he went through, you have to go through playing, and you have to get better. And the only way you get better is playing. And he did that, you know. So we have a lot of guys who played this year who are going to come back next year and be that much better. Jimmy's going to be that much better. Jaquas going to be that much better. Jared Hodge is going to be that much better, you know. And we have a good nucleus of guys. Even on offense, we have a great nucleus of guys who will get better, you know, because they played this year. You know, Trent Brown, you know, this, the, 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 the sky's the limit for that guy. You know, he's huge, and he can move people, you know. He has a lot to build upon, and, you know, the nucleus that we have is, is, is something special, you know, especially for 49er fans to be excited about. Well, obviously, last offseason was, was quite controversial with the 49ers, with Chris Ball and retiring, and then talk of guys like Eric Reid saying they're worried about it was that a discussion topic in the locker room between you guys the concussions and the impact of that and and what did you make of Chris's decision to retire um it wasn't really talked about in the locker room I mean you know once upon a time you know a long long time ago you know guys knew the repercussions of of, of the sport they're playing they play the sport you know for the fun of the game and to make money and be able to take care of their families and the sacrifice, you know, happens to be, you know, bodily harm. And we know that. I mean, we knew that when we started playing Pop Warner, high school, college. We knew that. We knew what was going to happen. So that's how I feel about it. I want to ask about the game this weekend because uh, as a nose tackle, as a guy that plays in the 3-4, a lot of talks being talked about the centre of these two defences. You've got obviously the fantastic centre with, with K1 Short and, and, and with Starlo Talele. And then on the other side with Derek Wolfe and Malik Jackson. Is there a little part of you that thinks, hold on, I have to hold all those guys by myself as a nose tackle. You get two of you. That's not fair. <laughs> Don't forget about Sylvester Williams. From, uh, hey, no doubt. That's yeah. my other nose guard now. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, is there part of you that thinks uh, you'd love to play in that sort of scheme with the 4-3 and get another guy alongside you to get that pressure? And how impressed are you with those sort of guys who have all performed at such a high level this oh, year? I'm very impressed with those guys. You know, those guys have been balling. Uh, you know, Kawan Short came out of nowhere and has had a great year. You know, Star Lotu Lele. You know, came out of Utah. I think I think Utah, right? Start at Utah. Uh, That's yeah, how yeah, we yeah, referred yeah. to him when we couldn't work out how to pronounce his surname <laughs> yeah, yeah, for a long uh, time. He, he's a beast. You know, first round, he's a beast. Uh, you know, you got Malik and you got Derek Wolf, two great pass first guys. Um, you know, got Sylvester in there. You know, my fellow nose guard. Uh, I think from uh, North Carolina, I want to say. Mm. Um, this is some outstanding college knowledge. That's what <laughs> yeah. I'm just uh, I play Madden, bro. So, like, <laughs> I, I know I know football. You know, I, like, two, like, NBA 2K and Madden football is, like, my thing. So, I know high schools. I know colleges. Like, and, and I'm a fan of the game. You know, I grew up watching football. So, I'm a fan of, of sports. Um, uh, Xbox or PlayStation? Uh, PS4. Uh, I was going to yeah. say add me online, but I'm an Xbox guy. Damn it. Uh, I'm a PS4. I grew up PlayStation, so I'm, I'm, stick, <laughs> I'm sticking with PlayStation. I do need to get an Xbox, though. I'm sorry. I'm jumping in. I, I do know these guys. My name is Paolo. I'm sorry yeah, to jump in the nice conversation. He's not just a crazy guy. He was walking <laughs> off the street. I just, I just have to ask at the back of that, of that comment about Madden. When, when the new Madden game comes out, do you get it and load it up and have a look at your stats and think to yourself, is this is this right? Do you start? I'm not going to lie. I do. And then, you know, <laughs> I, I, I get I get a little mad on you. Know, I'm gonna text my agent, like, "Hey man, you need to." Uh, you know. 
you know, call up, uh, call up Matt. You need to call up EA Sports. You know, uh, EA Sports is actually right there in Maitland, Florida, which is like right like where I'm from. So, so you knock on their offices. So if they maybe you know, uh, I'm gonna look at the stats this year. You know, and I don't feel like it's up to par. I might have to go and you know, you know, uh, ruffle some feathers. You know, if you were an EA executive and this guy knocked at <laughs> you the and said, "Look, <laughs> I'm not happy with my rating. I think you would go." My speed is not 53. You know, I think my speed is a little bit better than that. Why is suddenly JJ Watt not the best defensive lineman in this game? anymore I don't know hey hey hey, hey. it's me I think they'll take a big jump in this next coming, upcoming game because you have been impressive this year on a, so. te- on a team that struggled and, and I do like I say I hope you do return but if you don't return to the Bay good luck in whatever you do during this off season and, and maybe we'll catch up with you in the not too distant future Ian thank real you. pleasure thank you for taking the time thank to you for having me so Ian Williams there of the 49ers and let's round off our final of our Super Bowl interviews not related to a special that we're putting out and we'll get onto those later it was one of Ollie's favourite interviews of the week and one of my favourite photos of the week was Ollie stood next to this man because he's got the nickname for a reason Ed Tootle Jones so really delighted to be joined uh, on Radio Row now by a guy uh, former number one overall pick 15 seasons with the Cowboys former defensive end Ed Tootle Jones Ed First of all, in fact, actually, before we go on to anything else, you're here representing GoBowling.com, and I don't know if your guys told you, but actually, we're doing a big Super Bowl party back in London on Sunday night, and it's being held at a bowling lane. Awesome. <laughs> so this, this yeah. works out perfectly for us. Yes, you know, the NFL Foundation and GoBowling.com teamed up with Legends Community for a big event tomorrow, and we'll have 25, 30 of the biggest names to ever uh, put on a uniform, so... It's very it's, it's it's a good way for the fans to interact with the players for four hours. Good food, good drinks, and good fun bowling. So uh, I encourage anybody in the area uh, to come on out and join us. Uh, it looks uh, why, why bowling in particular. What was it about that? that, that well, uh, ten years ago, ten eleven years ago, when the Super Bowl was held in Detroit, we knew we wouldn't be able to play golf or any outdoor <laughs> activities to raise funds for different charities. So we decided to try bowling. It was a big hit. So even when we went to areas where the weather was nice enough to do the golfing and all that, we decided to continue to do it as well. So it's just been a big success for us and it's getting bigger and bigger every year. And with Minnesota coming up in a couple of years' time, it's perfect because right. you're going to be back right. there in the cold. <laughs> exactly. <again. laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Ed, I mentioned it already, number one overall pick in, in that great Dallas team of the, of the 70s and 80s. Just... First of all, I mean, particularly when you rejoined the team in the 80s, went to three All-Pros, won a Super Bowl in that time. Just tell us your specific memories of that time and what, what was so great about being a part of that Dallas well, team. Well, the greatest thing about it was growing up as a kid, I was a Cowboy fan. So to get to be drafted and get to play with them was truly amazing. And uh, that first Super Bowl experience um, in, in Super Bowl ten, we lost to Pittsburgh. But at, uh, a couple of years later, Super Bowl twelve, we we beat Denver uh, in, in, in New Orleans, and that feeling is something that I wish every player who ever meant something to the game could experience. Is that to, to to wake up the next morning and realize you are Super Bowl champs is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it's a time then that the guys you had around the team at that point, Tom Landry, Mike Ditka, these amazing head coaches uh, who went on to, obviously Ditka went on to win a Super Bowl, and we'll talk about you playing over in Europe and facing his team, but what were the coaching like at that point? Cause those well, were we had the b- best coaching in the league, you know, with, with Coach Landry at the helm, but several of his assistants, like Mike Ditka, Gene Stallings, you know, w- went on to become great head coaches them, themselves. 
uh, Ernest Stoughton at a Hall of Famer uh, from who was my defensive line coach that that played with the Steelers. So, you know, being a player, one of the things that that you at, always want to do, and that is when you walk on the football field, you want to know that you're prepared. Well, with that coaching staff, one thing we knew that we were never outcoached. You might beat us, but it wasn't because we weren't both mentally and physically prepared. And and how special was that time? Because the way that roster was constructed, you signed kickers from Poland, and it was kind of there was no stone left unturned to find players. I mean, what was that like to have such a such a group of guys like that in one team? Oh, it was awesome. And another good thing about it too is. Um, we were very close. Yeah. We uh, did a lot of things off the field, and we're still close even to this day. Yeah. We're in the community. Uh, we're involved in the community. We see each other, call each other up. We do a lot of good things together. And you know, a lot of teams can't say that. And, and, and Dallas have always been that way, and, and uh, that's something that I hope they continue to do. Some of my best friends were my teammates. And, and, and how big kind of that that axes of, of Gil Brand and Tom Landry are quite a kind of ooh, sorry quite famous in terms of the way that they push the envelope with things like sports science how important was that team in terms of setting a path for what we see in the NFL well, today well they, they were the pioneers yeah. in a lot of areas that's one of the uh, one of the advantages that we had you know Dallas was the first organization to go to the computer system yeah where we had to you know, Landry, who, if I had to sum him up with one word, I would say he was a genius because most head coaches, they, uh, they're just good PR guys. But Coach Landry ran the offense, defense, yep. and special team. He programmed his assistants, and they programmed us. But Coach Landry wouldn't ever show you the same thing from week to week. You know, you get three previous games of the, your opponent that you're going to play. Yep. But Coach Landry might run that same play, but it would be from a totally different formation from week to week to week so we came out with these big thick computer books yeah. that we had to study a lot you couldn't learn all of it just doing a meeting that you had during the week at practice we had to take those home with them and learn them and coach Landry, one of the things he always told us if you work hard continue good work ethic and study hard you'd have a long career with dallas and that's why i played 15 years had several teammates that i played with for 13 14 years yeah, and I, I, well, I want to ask about that defensive unit and those guys you did play with, because look at that line you talk about, Harvey Martin, Jethro Pugh, yourself, Randy White. Yeah. That doomsday defense was uh, just an incredible, incredible. unit. And yes. sometimes maybe a little bit underlooked when people talk about the all-time great defenses. I think they should be up there in the top three or four, and maybe they're sometimes out yeah, of that. You Do you, know, I mean, you know, I'm we, sure you agree we, with that. We, 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 <laughs> had, we had a lot of talent up front, uh, very successful up front. We were able to shut people down. But we, um, it was the price we had to pay. You know, not just guys talented. We studied together. We studied a lot. We, we'd go to different ones home during the week, studying, trying to pick out different guys' strengths and weaknesses. So we paid a price for the success we had on the field. Well, one question I want to ask is, you were one of those guys who was operating as a, as a pass rusher before sacks were an official stat, certainly for the first half yeah. of your career. How many sacks did you actually get? Because <laughs> don't know. Uh, I, I really don't know. I I, uh, I have 106 unofficial. They're saying, and the same thing with passes defense, block passes. I had I read some quotes where they said I have 128. Uh, I really don't know, and unless 
you know, I would probably have to individually hire someone to go back, <laughs> look at all my film to get a true number. All he's free. And you know what? The way I look at that, it's kind of like, you know. I, I am free, so I'm happy to do that for you uh, for a reasonable price. But is, it, is that something that you care about? Do you, do you care that no, I was that a team player. No, I never got into stats. And, and, and you know what? Uh, I can honestly say if Harvey Morton was sitting here, Randy White, all those guys say the bottom line with us, win it. We didn't care about that Because that's amazing, because that season is the season that Harvey White did record unofficially yeah. the best sack record of yeah, all time true. with 23. So it, it, to hear you say that he doesn't but, care about that. Harvey here, he could care less. It's all about bottom line, that, you know, that winning column is all he was concerned with. It was also Tony Dorsett's first season in the league, of course, as well. What a difference yes. did he make to what a, what a What an athlete. What a player. I'm glad I didn't have to face him. I'm <laughs> glad he was my teammate. <laughs> yes. uh, bringing in him and having Roger Stahl back in there and going up against those guys when you've, you've got to practice against them. How we've, we've spoken with a few guys about this, that that balance between the offense and the defense on a championship team is so key. For you, how much did it improve you facing such oh, top-level guys? For example... Teams today, a lot of them don't let the first unit exactly, yeah. face each other. We did. We even scrimmaged Amazing. against the first unit. So you take the Hall of Famer, Rayfield Wright, who uh, I would go up against from time to time. He made me better, and hopefully I made him better. You know, and when you're facing a star back with that quick release, scrambling ability, I don't care who I faced at quarterback, I was prepared. I was prepared because, I mean, Roger the Dodger, you know, doesn't get any better than that. So, and Dorsett, you know, who anytime he touched it could have been six. I had to go up against this guy in practice. Robert Newhouse, one of the best blocking fullbacks to ever play the game. Walt Garrison, one of the toughest to ever play the game. I had to face these guys. And I think we're seeing that. You, you talk about the blocking fullback. You talk about uh, that running game. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that from what we're seeing from Carolina this yep. weekend. It's a very right. similar system to what you guys were probably running on the offense there. I almost, I, we know their defensive line is great, Carolina. We know those right. guys in the middle. But there's kind of a feeling that you almost want those guys to be going against each other in practice because right. how good could they yeah, get exactly. if, if yeah. K1 Shaw's having to go against Cam Newton every week in practice? Uh, that'd, that'd be great. And, and coaches don't allow that today. <laughs> That's I'm, not happening. I feel like the obligatory question is too tall. When did it start? The nickname? Well, okay. this, is, this is great because I'm too small. So, <laughs> <laughs> fact, we've yeah. got to get a photo of Ollie you two together. It has yeah. to be done. I didn't play high school football. I was baseball, basketball, and boxed. So uh, when I decided to try out my freshman year in college, I walked into the equipment room, and the equipment manager gave me the longest pair of pants he had, which hit me above my knees. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me and said, look, wear these, stay out of contact drills, we'll have your pair made. So a gentleman by the name of Freddie Heron, who had a brief career with the Cleveland Browns, looked at me and did a double take and said, you know you're too tall for football. And the players loved it. <laughs> Love that. That is fantastic. You talk about the Cowboys community. Are you still involved in the Cowboys community nowadays? Do you follow the current team and what they're doing? Yes. We're very close. Uh, we have reunions every year. Uh, all the guys are active in the community. I love that. That's how we maintain a close relationship. And um, some of my best friends were I, I was created by me joining Dallas Cowboys. Do you do you, just totally off topic? Do you do anything <laughs> with 
with sports travel tours, the Andrew Hill and the, those guys? Because I know he does a lot I, of work. I know with all of them. All ah, right. I, I have done some things with him. That's yes. a, that's who we are actually out here with um, Andrew and, okay. and the guys yes. there. So yeah, yes. so, they do well, a good job and they do great work. Yeah, they do great work. <laughs> Excellent stuff. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> good plug in there. I, I wanted to just ask about that current Cowboys team then because we saw how much talent they had two seasons ago and then this last year. Okay, they had injuries, but it. it kind of fell off the cliff a little bit do you think they're close with what they've got there at the moment to, to being a good team well first of all they have to stay healthy yeah uh last year uh i thought they really made a big turn in the right direction when they faced green bay and almost pulled that game off injuries this year they you know they can't stay healthy so uh uh it was very very disappointing uh uh, I hope they're able to bounce back. I'm concerned about Tony Romo, who's had two back surgeries, uh, uh, getting ready to have a third shoulder surgery. Uh, you know, when from day one, what your coaches teach you is practice make perfect. Yeah. If you're not able to get out there and practice religiously, uh, timing or something's going to be off. And that's my biggest concern at a very key position. Donnarumma. One one question I had, I mean, the Greg Hardy situation was mentioned a lot last year. As a guy who kind of knows what that star means and the kind of prestige you've played for the Dallas Cowboys, were you comfortable seeing him on, on the field for the Cowboys? Do you believe in kind of the, the second chances thing? or do you well, think? I, I believe in the players getting a second, even a third chance. You know, a lot of these guys are very young. You're going to make mistakes and, you know, it's, and it's, it's, I look at it like a stumbling block. You know, how quick do you get up? And uh, and and what kind of change are you going to make once you get up? Now, when I first, the first few games I saw him play, he was bringing it. I said, that's 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 what you want right there. He was, he was bringing it. I'm not close enough to the team to know what's going on as far as being late for meetings, yeah. rumors I've been hearing. I don't like to comment on rumors that I hear because I'm not around. Yeah. But if that is, but if that's going on, that's got to change. That's got to change. You can't be good at that level with those type things happening. And uh, so again, again, I believe in giving a guy a second or third chance. I think Dallas can use him. But still, you gotta, you have to do the right things. He's got to show yeah. signs that yes, he's he learned. Does. Yeah, exactly. You've got to take that second chance or that third chance and, and you got to take advantage of it. And be thankful way. someone yeah. gave you another opportunity. No doubt at yeah. all. No doubt at all. Uh, great stuff. Uh, a so real much. pleasure. Thanks so much, Ed. Man, I really hate it when Dallas Cowboys are likable. It's awful. Awful. <laughs> Ed Tootle Jones rounding off our interviews there. Shall we do a few listener tweets before we bugger off, Ollie? Let's do it. Uh, Brett tweets, WTF, you been? Which I, I guess he's change the what to where yep. in, in that context. Uh, he asked, what position do at Steelers, uh, he added the Steelers just in case they decided to retweet it or answer us, need to fill in the draft to make a solid run at Super Bowl 51? Is green at tight end good enough? Yes. I love the green signing. Uh, a couple of weeks ago we talked about it and we, we waxed lyrical about the green signing. We love that signing. I, I think he was one of the most improved players in the league last season uh, and therefore and I think he suits their offense really well uh, losing Martavis Bryant is a big loss but this is a terrible draft for receivers at the top end so I don't expect them to go there I think they go seriously defense heavy if you want to talk about where they're going to go in the draft I think it, you're exactly right that's where where they need to do it they 
They struggled on getting pressure to the quarterback uh, last year. So they... Although I like what they've got there. I think Bud Dupree started to look good towards the end of the season. Ryan Shazir is an absolute pace monster. Uh, if there's a good inside linebacker there, you know, uh, Lawrence Timmons is getting old mm. in his years. But the secondary for me. Oh, secondary all day long because they were thrown upon uh, constantly. The game against, I think it was against the the Patriots last year, was was a shit show basically <laughs> for that second. Stop making me do work. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, the the, the Ladarius Green, he will be a fantasy darling. Fantasy darling. Ah, uh, yeah, I think he'll be one of those tight ends who goes surprisingly high in your draft this year. Uh, good question, Brett. Uh, Ed tweets, oh God, why did I even put this one in? This is something we said we wouldn't discuss on the podcast. He wants to know if we had good ideas for a new name for Washington. <laughs> Suggested the Washington Red Trousers, perhaps. Red Trousers? I, there, I, I, there must be a reference in there that we're not getting. Yeah, there's there's, get there's some gag there we don't get. Uh, are we not touching that one with a 50-foot barge pole? Yeah, let's uh, steer clear of that. I've I've gone on about this before. Yeah, we've Just we've banged on about. Go back it. and listen to old podcasts, and we'll definitely talk about when they come over this year. I'm sure. Tom tweets, and please time code this now, Ollie, because this is going to be a bleep show. Uh, how many bad words can you think that adequately describe Greg Hardy? I don't think there's enough. There's not enough, but I am not going to think about this anymore. I, oh, I really want. I thought. I think. But I'll give you a few. No, I just. <laughs> We spoke about it on the last pod. Uh, this guy's been given far too much airtime by everyone. And ESPN should be disgraced with them. They, they, they should be ashamed of themselves. They're a disgrace. That's enough. Move on. And Tom finally tweets, how has Ollie got on with joining a team as a punter? Uh, yeah. Um, not great. <laughs> Basically, I, I played rugby to see if I could still... You know, physically perform. Physic- and I could physically perform. We're not having to put you on the pub list. No. Uh, but um, I've had far too much work, basically, and also mm, yeah, whatever. Uh, also, Sounds all of these, uh, all of these teams, they've um, they've started their training camps already. I mean, I, I would what I really need, and Matt Sherry, I know you're not listening to this, but if you were, I just give <laughs> give me an in, give me an in with the uh, the Warriors or whatever or the Blitz B. I'll go and play for the Blitz B. Go and play for Greenwich. Try out for the Blitz B. Do Greenwich have a team? Greenwich just picked somewhere in London. No, and made Greenwich, it up. Greenwich have a team. I was chatting to one of them for. Uh, I was chatting to one of them at the student radio conference. It's a guy who played for Greenwich. He knew who I was. It was a bit really. Weird. It's really weird when people f- figure out who you are. Uh, yeah, all right. Go, pass me his details uh, after the show, and uh, I'll see what I can do. Greenwich is a long way away, but oh no, you know it's for football. It's uh, for football. I went to, <laughs> I, I went to Norwich. It's for football. It's for football. That wasn't a thing. I went to Norwich to play rugby. I could go to Greenwich to kick a ball. Look, uh, any 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 final business? Anything last you want to get onto, or should I go and do my real job for a bit? Real job. I got to catch a train. All right, Dirtbox. It's a pleasure as always. I particularly enjoy that we're doing these when we're on the other side of the glass from each other because I have been in here dropping bombs like a trooper. Uh, so I'm going to go and abuse the TalkSport toilet. Any final words that you would like to add? Uh, no. In which case, hit us up on Twitter, at Gridiron. Don't forget that the schedule schedule is out next week, and therefore we'll be announcing the Gridiron Tour with oh, Swartz yeah. Travel Tours. Very excited about that. Cannot wait. So check us out online, gridiron-magazine.com. Go to their website, sportstraveltours.com. Any Football-related tours, you can get 10% or 15% off 
with the code gridiron16 i genuinely can't remember which it is and otherwise at gridiron for us get your questions in love you lots thank you for listening this has been the gridiron show